Could you please open your Bible to Nehemiah chapter 6? And our text for this evening will be verses 15 and 16. It's Nehemiah chapter 6 and we'll read from verse 15. God's word says, So the war was finished in the twenty and fifth day of the month Elul in fifty and two days. And it came to pass that when all our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things, they were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought of our God. Amen. The title for the lesson this evening is Mission Accomplished. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for the opportunity that we have to meet in this simple way this evening. I do thank you that we could spend some time together as fellow believers praying uh, to you. We do thank you, Father, that you are uh, a faithful God uh, who listens to our prayers and will answer them uh, according to your will. Uh, Father, we do thank you that you have revealed yourself to us in your word. I thank you that uh, you have spoken. And Father, we do thank you that your word um, is is sufficient for us uh, as your people. And Father, I do thank you for the opportunity that I have tonight to open up the scriptures. Uh, I do pray this evening uh, that I would, you know, speak the truth and nothing but the truth. And Father, I I do ask that you uh, speak to us this evening. You know, you know the needs uh, of our hearts better than we do ourselves. And Father, I do pray that you would uh, meet them this evening. I ask this in Jesus' name, for his sake. Amen. The feeling of finishing a great and difficult task is one of the supreme joys of life. You know, I'm sure you have experienced this. You undertook a challenging assignment, not sure if completion was possible. In fact, during the process, finishing definitely seemed a very faint possibility. Perhaps this was undertaking extra study that really challenged your intellectual ability. Or it was accepting a difficult employment position that included dealing with challenging people and expectations. Or you undertook some challenge that in hindsight was well outside of your capabilities. Whatever it may be in your situation... There is a great sense of joy, of satisfaction and accomplishments when we finish difficult tasks, particularly when people give us no chance of achieving the goal. I remember very clearly when I was a first year apprentice, I'd been working for two or three weeks and we came to this job and it was very difficult. Now, on our first morning, both of the sons of this particular client welcomed us and they both made it clear that this was impossible. It couldn't be done and more or less insinuated that we were foolish for undertaking such a task. Needless to say, this filled us with great confidence. But in a couple of weeks' time, when we finished this impossible task, it was quite a nice feeling, a sense of accomplishment particularly when the two doubting sons saw it. And there must have been a great sense of accomplishment, of satisfaction, of joy surging through the heart of Nehemiah and the Jewish people at this particular time. 
an incredibly difficult task had been undertaken. Many challenges that seemed insurmountable had been overcome. You know, the work was met with fierce opposition. Even at the very beginning, it required the Persian king to revoke a previous policy that had halted all construction work at Jerusalem. Nehemiah had to develop a construction strategy and motivate a defeated and deflated people. Quite the task. Many were the challenges even before one stone was moved. But these challenges didn't stop when the construction commenced. In fact, it was then they intensified. There was issues within, there was issues without. Many were the servants of Satan who tried ruthlessly to halt this work. All of the classic ploys from Satan's obstructing God handbook were unleashed. And yet to no avail. For we have reported before us that the walls were completed. And what a monumental moment that this great task was complete despite all of the challenges. Oh, joy and satisfaction must have been pouring out of the people like the flooded river bursting its banks. For the first time in over 100 years, the city had walls. But what is particularly astonishing about the completion is the fact that it was accomplished in 52 days. Despite all of the opposition and all of the challenges that had to be overcome. Do you remember Nehemiah actually had to get the people and gather them in military formation because there was a threat of attack. Despite all of this, it was finished on the 25th day of the month Elu, which is early September on our calendar. Exactly 52 days since the task had begun. This was a remarkable achievement. Such is the staggering nature of this accomplishment in face of such adversity. It has led many to question the veracity of this claim. Many assert that this could not be correct and they point to this piece of information to prove that the scriptures have errors within it. But allow me to share with you seven reasons why this task being completed in 52 days is not some far-fetched idea but rather a faithful record of history. So number one, there was a large workforce We must understand that this project was not undertaken by Nehemiah and a couple of other tradesmen. But rather in chapter 3 there are at least 37 different labour gangs. There were people from within the city and many from the surrounding areas. Thousands of people would have worked on this project. And it is possible to achieve great things with a large group of unified and willing workers. Now, the second thing is the size of Jerusalem. Now, at this particular time, Jerusalem was not that large a city. The circumference of the walls is only believed to be four to five kilometers. And if we take the higher estimate of five kilometers with the 37 different groups, it means that each labor gang would have to do about 2.5 meters of wall each day, which is 
very feasible. Now the third reason is the materials were present. Now in most of the construction it was the old material that was reused. You know, one did not have to go and source new stone from a distant land. You know, in fact, one just had to reach behind them and it was there. And obviously this would save much time, which further confirms the quick completion. Now, number four, the people worked long hours. In ancient Jerusalem, there was no workers' union. It restricted it to an eight-hour day and there had to be three breaks within that eight hours. But rather, according to Nehemiah 4.21, they worked from sun up to sun down. Number five, we also need to understand the nature of the work. Now, as we determined in previous studies, in many places the wall simply needed to be repaired. It had not been completely demolished right down to the foundations, but simply needed some holes patched. And it seems that the eastern wall was the only section that had to be built from the foundation up. Number six is the argument from history. Now, this is not the only time in history where city walls have been constructed at a rapid speed. Now, one such example is Alexander the Great, who had the walls of New Alexandria in Egypt built in 20 days And these walls were 11 kilometers in circumference. So if Alexander and his team could do this, why not Nehemiah and his team build the smaller walls in a greater period of time? Now the veracity of Alexander's achievement is not questioned, so why should Nehemiah? And number seven, the divine hand. Now it's abundantly clear as we will consider shortly, that God was at work in this particular situation. And of course, we know with God, nothing is impossible. And hence, even if we did not have the above reasons, this one in of itself would be enough to justify the speed of construction. So no one has any reason to doubt the veracity of the claims before us. It is a remarkable achievement, yes, and it was a great Success, And the question is, why was it such a success? And I want to identify three reasons as to why this project was a success. And I believe these reasons are crucial for us as individuals and as a church to also be successful. Now, I don't know about you, but I know I want to live a fruitful and effective Christian life. And I want to be involved in a church that is doing much for God. And within this text, three things are revealed that I believe will help us achieve this. So the first reason this was successful was a willingness to work. Now, one of the many outstanding attributes that Nehemiah possessed was a willingness to work hard. A readiness to do something about the problem at hand. Jerusalem had been without walls for over 100 years. It only took 52 days to rectify the problem. The question must be asked, why did it take so long? One commentator asked the same question. Why wasn't the job done in the more than 100 years before? 
It wasn't that no one saw the problem. It wasn't that wars were not wanted. Many people saw broken walls, knew how they ruined the lives of the people of Jerusalem, but no one got past the place of just wishing there were walls. And that was until Nehemiah became aware of the problem. But with him, it was not just a wish for there to be walls, but rather he was willing to do something about the problem. He was willing to do whatever it took to fix the issue. And this is why he was successful, because he was willing to work. He was willing to do something about the problem. And you know how often in our spiritual lives we wish that we were more like Christ. Wish that we didn't struggle with a particular sin. Wish that we were better at sharing the gospel. Wish that we had a greater scriptural knowledge. Wish that we have a closer walk with Christ. Wish that the walls were built up in our lives. And yet it stays just as a wish. Because we, just like the people in Jerusalem, do nothing about it. You know, we want to have... Or we wish to have a victorious and fruitful Christian life, and yet we are not willing to strive for that. And we are doing nothing about it. We forget that sanctification is a joint task. God works, and so do we. It's not a passive experience. And yet how often we we want growth, and yet we remain lazy when it comes to spending time in the Word and praying. You know, we want to share the gospel, we wish to share the gospel, and yet we fail to ask or look for opportunities to do it. You know, we wish we had victory over this sin, and yet we feed the flesh instead of putting it to death. And we have all of these noble desires for our spiritual lives, and yet we are slothful and do not strive towards it. And hence, that is one of the reasons why we are often not successful, for we fail in our efforts of pursuing Christ-likeness. Now, likewise, as a church, it's very easy to identify the problems just like the broken down walls in the city. But it's another thing to do something about them. You know, we wish that more would be saved and join our church, and yet we never invite anyone along. You know, we wish that we had this ministry or that ministry, and yet we are not willing to be involved and so forth. You know, my friend, it's very easy to want or wish for certain things within our individual lives or within the church, but it's another thing to do something about it. You know, we need to be like Nehemiah and be willing to work, to strive for it. You know, not just wishing for something to get done, but actually doing it. The second reason this was successful was that it was powered by prayer. In the first two chapters of Nehemiah, when he is first informed of the predicament of his people in the city, this man of God went straight to prayer. And we are told here that he spent four months in prayer before this task was undertaken. Isn't it interesting that the construction project took 52 days, and yet before the first stone was laid, it was accompanied with more than double of the time taken to complete the whole task in prayer. 
Prayer was the foundation for this rebuilding work and a critical reason for its overwhelming success. This task was powered and propelled by prayer. And this highlights the absolute necessity of constant and regular prayer if we are to be successful for Christ as a church and as individuals. There is no such thing as a strong church or a strong Christian that is not strong on prayer. A lack of prayer is a sign of self-sufficiency and self-dependency. You know, I wonder how often in the words of the Apostle James, we have not because we ask not. You know, great things for Christ are not happening in our lives or in our church because we are not asking or expecting God to do great things. You know, how often we are lacking power because we fail to connect ourselves to the power source through prayer. Now, Nehemiah knew that to have success, much prayer was required, and that prerequisite has never changed. Anyone who has ever done anything for Christ were men and women of prayer. You know, I recently read through a book, I think it was entitled 50, Christ- Christians that, 50 Believers That Every Christian Should Know by Warren Wearsby. And as I read through that, in nearly every Example, what stood out was they were men and women of prayer. Likewise, any church that has ever achieved anything was one that was powered by prayer. I remember reading about the Metropolitan Tabernacle. That was the church that was pastored by Spurgeon. And every time Spurgeon got up to preach, there was a group of men in the boiler room on their knees in prayer. You know, is it any wonder this church achieved great things? You know, may we comprehend the absolute necessity of prayer and the great power of prayer. For if these two things are not settled in our hearts, success in the Christian life will not be forthcoming. You know, my friend, we need to be a church and we need to be individuals who spend much time in prayer for if we are not plugged into the divine power source how are we going to be successful you know prayer laid the foundations for the success of this rebuilding and it will form the foundation of any success either corporately or as individuals for when we pray it is a sign we are utterly dependent on god And this leads me to the third reason there was success, and that is because it was God's work. From the previous two reasons given, particularly the first, it would be easy to think that spiritual success is a human work, that it all comes back to me, It's, it's about me, it's about what I do, but that is not the case at all. That any spiritual success is God's work. You know, yes, we have a part to play, but God takes care of the results. You know, it was so clear that this rebuilding of the walls was a work of God, that even the enemies of the Jews, you know, they who had been trying to halt this work and the pagan nations surrounding them, according to verse 16, could see the fingerprints of God all over this. His blessing and providence was clear for all to see. Now, verse 16 
makes it clear that these enemies were downcast. Their pride and their self-esteem had taken a real beating. And they could do nothing but stand in awe of the work that had been accomplished. And we are told that they perceived that this work was wrought of God. This idea of perceiving is one that we see in the book of Exodus. Uh, Exodus chapter 14, Israelites have just crossed the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army is after them. Verse 25 says this, And took off their chariot wheels, that they drave them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. The soldiers could see that this was of the Lord. The Lord was fighting this battle. And this is the same idea conveyed before us. It was abundantly clear, even to the pagans, that God had worked. And this is why this rebuilding had been a success. And my friend, this is the same for us as a church and for us as individuals. A success in the spiritual realm only comes when God works. He is in control of growth, of the results, the success. It is he who gives the increase. Do you remember the church at Corinth? You know, there was this bickering and fighting. I belong to Paul, I belong to Apollos. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 4 through to 7. For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. It is of God. And I wonder how often we are not successful because we try to do it ourselves. Do it our way, in our strength, in our ability. We try to secure the increase. Or perhaps God doesn't give us success because he knows we would take the glory that belongs to him. We would claim the results as our doing. Or maybe success doesn't come because our concept of God is far too small. We don't have the faith that he could do something amazing through us or our small church. We underestimate the power and ability of our God to do great things. We must comprehend that if we as individuals or as a church are going to be successful, be productive, be fruitful, God must work. It is he who gives the increase. It is not something that we ourselves produce. The rebuilding work was very successful. And the reasons for that are spelled out before us. And may we take heed to ensure that we as individuals and as a church are successful. For when we are what God wants us to be, the world will look on and will be able to tell that there is something different. That God is working in that life. This is what happened before us. You know, the heathen perceived that God had worked in this rebuilding project. Can those around us 
perceive God's work in our lives, in my life, in your life. Those you work with, those you play sport with, those you associate with, your neighbours, your family, can they perceive that you are different? That God is in you and doing a work within Does your life bear witness to the existence of God? Does the gospel light shine brightly from your life? Is it evident to those around you that you are different? Or is it not? Do you talk the same? Do you act the same? Are you exactly the same as everyone else? Do those around you know that you are a Christian? Is it so evident that there is something different about you, that God is at work in your life? My friend, that's the challenge from the text. As one commentator put it, a strong, secure people of Jerusalem were a witness to surrounding nations. And many of us live Christian lives that no one takes notice of because our walls are broken down. Let the Lord do a building work and others will notice. But perhaps the gospel light is shining bright in your life. But it doesn't seem to affect those around you. Remember that it's not our job to secure the results and that we can rest assured that even if our testimony does not cause those around us to acknowledge God in this life, one day they will. In the text before us, we have the heathens and the enemies perceiving that God works. They acknowledge God and one day, my friend, all will acknowledge God. Now, even those who are hostile and cruel towards the gospel now, those who persecute Christians now, all will bow the knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Philippians chapter 2, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, the heathen of the heathen, the staunchest of atheists, will bow the knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, all will eventually perceive that Jesus is Lord. But may our lives bear witness to that fact now. So that God willing men and women will perceive and make this confession in this life to ensure their salvation rather than waiting for a future time when it will simply ensure their damnation. May the glorious gospel light that we have within shine brightly. May there be no bushels in our life hiding that gospel light. And may people perceive that Jesus is at work in us. Amen.